Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so you can get the most out of working out. This week, I spoke with Corey Lunny, who is a four times regional competitor. He's the fittest man in New Jersey and was unfortunately one of the athletes who was injured during the now infamous Event 2 at the 2017 CrossFit Games Regional. In today's episode, we use Corey's story to highlight a winning mindset around injury and give you a window into what it's like to have a life as a top regionals competitor with aspirations to qualify for the Games. I think it's worth pointing out that before Corey's success as a CrossFit athlete and box owner at CrossFit Shrewsbury, he was a freak on the lacrosse field. In 2013, he was the NCAA Division II Men's Player of the Year. I mention this because Corey is not unfamiliar with the growth mindset it takes to become a top athlete. So as he tells his story, listen closely to how although he goes through the same human emotions we all would in his situation, he frames his mindset in a constructive way. Before we get to regionals, the story begins with his training through the 2017 CrossFit Open. It was the fittest I've ever felt. And I like to say that the beauty of CrossFit and training consistently is I feel like at whatever point in time it is, I am at the fittest point. So like I don't deload or, you know, try to taper for competitions. I kind of like to train all the way through. So going into it, I felt really good. Um, The open went really well. It was the first year I didn't retest any workouts. And that was kind of my mentality because in the past, it's like, you know, it's so hard to make regionals that you're like your whole month is circled around these workouts. So you're you're not really training through it. You're focusing on one workout, how to optimize it. And then you spend the weekend like checking the leaderboard and (laughs) stressing out about it and then retesting again. So I made regionals twice and I was like, I felt a little more confident that I had a a good spot of belonging there, but it's, you know, it's never certain, but um, I felt better this year. I was like, I'm I'm ready to go. And and this was the first year I was able to do a workout and then train the rest of the weekend and and kind of put it behind me. Still leaderboarding, you know, as much as any, you know, crazy person would do, but Um, it it went really well. So I was happy with how the open went. I felt good. I placed the highest ever placed in the world. Uh, I think I was, I was top hundred. I think I was in the seventies or eighties. I'm not positive. I can double check that. Um, but that was pretty cool to not redo any workouts, to know that I probably could have had some room for improvement if I did redo and still have finished top hundred in the world. And I think I finished, I think top 10 in the region. I, I, again, I I forget, but I was really happy with how I placed. And for the record, he placed 74th in the world and 10th in the Northeast region. So going into regionals, I trained through the open. I had a good month of training. You know, I didn't take a month off just to do the open workouts. And then I felt like I was able to just like hop right back on and and continue training up to regionals. And it's, you know, two to three months before they release the workouts. So, or maybe two months. So you're, you're, doing everything you can, everything that they've done in the past. You're retesting old regional workouts, um, but trying to stay smart as well. And then they released the workouts. And for anyone listening who doesn't follow CrossFit, it was a little different uh, the way the workouts came out because there was no barbell. And in the past, there's been pretty heavy barbell. You know, if you're good with the barbell, you're strong, you know, you, you have a big advantage. So this year they went the other direction. They still tested all different areas of fitness, but with just without a barbell, you know, sandbags in some places, dumbbells, 
Um, you know, just really different things. And that I thought played out really well for me. So, you know, seeing those workouts, I was extremely excited. I was like, all right, this is, you know, the one year that I felt like I've prepared the best. I'm the fittest I've ever been. I I'm confident in my abilities. You know, I believe that I could make it to the games because that was, you know, a kind of something holding me back in the past was, you know, do I belong, you know, at the games? And I, and I felt like I did this year. So, Everything was going great. You know, I've tested the workouts. I liked the way they were going to go. There were some that weren't like completely in my favor, but nothing that I should actually bomb, which in the past has been like, all right, we just got to damage control this one. I didn't feel like that. Corey and I talked a little bit about event one next. Corey placed 10th in event one, which is right where he needed to be on his quest for a top spot and an invitation to the games. He told me that after the event, he felt great. Nothing was off, and his mind was in the right place going into event two, especially because he felt like he had an advantage over the field. Ring dips are one of my favorite movements in CrossFit, in competitive CrossFit, I should say, because I have short arms, I'm a good presser, and just competitively, I have an advantage over people. So I was, you know, really going out there trying to win the event, which I don't think I've ever done before at regionals. I've never, like, gone out there and been like, I mean, that sounds bad, but I believed I could take first. Like, I was going out there with the intention to take first over everyone in the field, you know, superstars, not superstars, I was going out there. So I go out there, and the snatches are first. They go really well. It's a heavier dumbbell, but, you know, the adrenaline is pumping, so you feel great. I get through my first 21, you know, move it forward, run back to uh, the rings and I'm moving on them and I feel really good. And, you know, the ring dips are one of those movements where sometimes they don't feel great. There's a a standard where you had to hit the strap and I was actually pleasantly surprised at how easy it was to lock out and I'm moving. And then at rep 17, I felt a pop in my pec. And um, at first it was like a really weird, uh, like feeling. It didn't hurt. It wasn't like a, you know, a kick to the shin or anything like that. It was kind of just like a, you know, you felt, something happened in your pack. So I kind of grab it. I'm like, what was that? And I try to, you know, jump back up and I feel like a sharp pain in my, in my pack. Like, okay, that's not good. Um, and I'm kind of standing there. It was a really confusing moment. You know, and it's kind of like burned into my mind of like me, you know, it's almost like tunnel vision looking down my lane. I can see my judge staring at me. You hear noise, but you don't really know what's going on. You have a million thoughts going through your head. The head judge comes over and he's like, you know, what's going on? He's like, can you keep going? And I was like, all right, I don't know. I'm going to try. So I had four reps to get through before I can move back to the dumbbell. And I, um, and my only thought here is like, let's just see if it hurts. You know, obviously winning was of the event was over. So I jumped back on the rings and you have to establish a support hold. So your arms need to be locked out at the top of the rings and just trying to hold that position on the ring sent like a, a searing pain through my left pec. And I kind of, at that moment when I realized that I physically couldn't move on, like the confusion was kind of over. I knew I was hurt. It, it, the whole world started to like spin and kind of comes crashing down because not only, you know, is this one of your opportunities that you feel like you can really capitalize on, but you, it, you realize that a whole year of training and, you know, multiple years of training just, just stopped. You just hit a brick wall and you can't move past it. There's nothing you can do. So that emotionally hit pretty hard. Like I, I kind of realized it right away, which you know, some people I feel like maybe didn't process it the same way, but I processed it like immediately. As soon as I realized that I couldn't keep going, like I knew that my year was over. And up to this point, Corey's experience and reaction is everything that you'd expect from someone whose goals and aspirations had just come to a tragic end. 
But this is also the point where Corey's magic mindset jumps in and turns him into a hero. For me, it was just like, now what do I do? Like, what do I do to move forward? And uh, like I mentioned, I had Claudia and Anthony there. So for me, it turned into like a coaching role, like immediately. I had to kind of flip the switch. You know, regionals is something that it's one weekend out of the year that you train an entire year for. And I didn't want to ruin that for anyone else. I, I kind of tried to suppress the feelings of me being upset. You know, I, I still had them. I still, you know, was emotional, you know, on my own. But I wanted, you know, Claudia and Anthony and everyone there to still enjoy their weekend. And I tried to like really flip the switch there. And that was kind of the next step of moving forward with it, but it had to happen like the next day. So it, that was a tough part too. Like the last thing that I wanted to do was make my injury affect the people around me who are still competing. So not only did it kind of force me to like, you know, not suck it up, but force me to kind of put it aside. Um, it helped me help distract me. And so now like, instead of me like sitting there, you know, sulking about my pec, I'm, I'm talking to Claudia about how she's going to approach the next workout. I'm, I'm talking to Anthony about how he felt in the last workout and, you know, what can we do for the next one? And, and that helped me kind of stay in the action. I was still in the warm up area with them. I was still conversing with people, but it wasn't about my pec. It was about, you know, the rest of the weekend because as it's all about the pec in your own head, like I got, you got hurt. It's all about the injury, but everyone else moves past that immediately. Like they'll feel bad for you. Like, Hey, I'm sorry you got hurt, but like, they're not concerned with it. They don't want to talk about your injury. Like they have other things to worry about. And, and I was well aware of that as a competitor. I, I knew that me talking about the pack over and over and over again that weekend wouldn't help anyone's case. It wouldn't help me get better. It wouldn't, I, I, it would have directly affected Claudia if I was, you know, down the whole time. And like these weekends aren't things that you're just get handed, you know, you don't sign up for this. You, you earn it. And I, and I couldn't take that away from anyone. Switching into coaching mode obviously masked the pain of withdrawal from the competition for Corey. And for some people, the emotions might have hit like a tidal wave after the weekend was over and killed their motivation to keep training. Like, why make sacrifices and commit all of your energy and free time to training all year for one competition if it can all end in one second? But no. Corey's frame of mind was different, and this is where recovery from the injury both mentally and physically really lit the fire under his ass to grow as an athlete. Usually at, after regionals, or the last two years, I've had this, this feeling of, okay, the regionals is over, I didn't make the games, and now the season is over. And so now it's like, let's take the next you know, month, two months to you know, have fun, do whatever we want, not follow too strict of a program. Um, you know, not be as strict with diet and things like that. But, but this year I didn't get that moment of closure. And so, and I, and I had some really good people in my ear throughout the weekend telling me too about my, you know, two ways that you can react to an injury. Um, and one is you can, you know, let it overwhelm you and succumb to it and say, Hey, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Let's, you know, let's, it is what it is. You know, this sucks. Maybe we shouldn't do this again. Or you try to, you know, rebound from it and you keep your head up and you, and you walk, you know, towards your goal again. And so because I didn't get that moment of closure and because I had this mentality of like an injury is just a, a setback and it's time to rebound from it, I actually probably felt more motivated than ever, you know, coming off of it because I didn't feel like my season was over. I mean, I didn't, well, I didn't feel like I had a, an end to the season because it, it didn't happen. And I, and I didn't feel like I should you know, just sit down and stop training. So I felt more motivated than ever to try to get back into the gym and, and, you know, work on weaknesses and do things that, you know, maybe I could, could work on more. And like, uh, I didn't want 
to take a week off because or a month off because I, I wanted to get right back to it because I still feel like I'm in that in my prime, you know, opportunity to get to the games. So I felt more motivated than ever, which is funny because, you know, you could go the complete opposite route and just be like, I'm going to take four months off, to recover. And, and maybe if I feel like training again, I'll, I'll try to do it. But that just wasn't an option for me. The crazy thing is, not too long after regionals, Corey was posting a video snatching 245 pounds with no problem. I found out very quickly that I was able to do a lot of other things still, which is really important to me. And I think if, if this wasn't the case, I would have had a lot harder time recovering. But I was able to, to snatch. I was able to clean and jerk. I was able to do handstand push-ups and strict pull-ups. And there was so many things that I could still do in the gym that I was able to like really create workouts and, and still get full training days around the pec. Um, but with that being said, I did completely stay away from it. So any horizontal pressing, whether it was just a bodyweight pushup, a bench press, whether it was anything on the rings, kipping at first, even toe to bar and, you know, kipping pull-ups, those, that stuff bothered it. Any like stretching or contraction of that pec, um, you know, wasn't ideal. And so for me, I was, in my head, I'm thinking, I want to get back to training right away. I am training. If I push this too soon, will I set myself back further? And so I think just having the knowledge of knowing that I could potentially hurt myself worse, especially because it was a muscle injury, um, meaning like those fibers are probably still repairing themselves. Like they're, they could get hurt again. And so I I really stayed away from it um, and of the things that directly hurt it, which is really funny because I could snatch, like, I think I snatched it to like 245 pounds like the week after. But yeah, but I couldn't do a, a bodyweight pushup. I think the key lessons you can tease out of the post-regional approach Corey took are when you're injured, you can still train. You just have to be smart about it and be excited about the movements you still can do. When I broke my leg in 2012, I went on a push-up and pull-up rampage. I just followed some programs and now my horizontal pressing and gymnastics pulling are still some of my greatest strengths. The other lesson you can take from Corey's story is that don't be an idiot and push the injury too early. Because I got really lucky and it wasn't a tendon injury. It was, yeah. it was physically just in the muscle belly, um, and which you know they normally say about four weeks to heal. But I probably didn't test a push-up until about you know, six weeks after. You know, I, I started with some like incline push-ups or you know, decline, whatever's easier. I, I, me on an elevated surface, my hands on an elevated surface. Um, and I was like, okay, that feels okay. You know, I feel a little weird maybe in like my arm where the pec inserts and things like that were kind of like I was trying to pay attention to. Next week I would go down a little further and try another push up. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't touch rings for probably t- over two months because I didn't want to. I didn't, I was just, I was scared, you know, and, but it, I, because I was able to still do all the other stuff, it, it allowed me to kind of stay away from it. Um, and actually, the only reason I ended up touching rings for the first time was because I had a qualifier um, about two and a half months to three months after the injury where it was like, okay, it's time to, you know, this is a qualifier. You have to do the workout. Um, and I was on a team, so I, I, could, I definitely had to. I didn't want to let anyone down. And I was able to do muscle-ups pain-free, um, which I had done bar muscle-ups prior to that. So I, I wasn't just jumping up there, like, expecting to be able to do it. I had tested ring dips a little bit before that, like, very slowly and strict and, and realized that there was no pain. I brought benching back in once I could knew I could do push-ups, um, which I probably could have brought back sooner because I was I benched very light, which I guess I, pressing my body weight was probably, you know, more weight on my pec than me benching 135. 
but I started to slowly bring those things back in and I would test them, you know, once at a time I wouldn't like, like okay, I'm going to test pushups, ring dips and, yeah. and, and bench today. It would be one, one thing at a time. Um, slowly more gaining the confidence back. Cause I think I gave it more than enough time because the confidence of training, it was more important than, um, than anything else because I, it was healed already. But now I had to know I could jump up and down the rings and do muscle ups and, and go on the rings and do ring dips, which, you know, is hard the first time after the injury. And I want to get off the topic of the injury a little bit. I get asked a lot when I travel to gyms that don't have regional athletes there what life is like training and competing at that level. So I asked Corey some questions about what life outside the gym is like. What does he do for fun? Where's the balance? And what does he do to recover? So at the beginning of last year, I decided, you know, as someone who wants to make the games, it's going to come down to like the half percent increases. It's going to come down to, you know, these little details. And so what I was training really hard. I was trying to be smart about training, but what was I doing outside the gym that was helping me in the gym? And, I, and the answer was I wasn't doing anything. Because I'm biased, let's look at what he changed with his nutrition first. In my head, I just thought as someone who works out a lot, I should eat a lot. That was kind of the thing. If I'm hungry, eat. If I'm thirsty, drink. That was this the where I was at with it. So I finally decided to try to find that, find those details a little more. And um, I reached out to, to a coach to to work with uh, counting my macros. You know, it was something that kind of hit the CrossFit world by storm a little bit. Um, and I think it kind of went in waves. It was, at first it got introduced and people were like, this is awesome. Then people realized that they could eat donuts and count their macros and still hit their numbers. Um, and so I was kind of confused by the whole thing. I was like, does counting macros mean you can eat whatever you want and as long as you hit your numbers? Because uh, I, I was that confused me. Like, as a CrossFit competitor, should you be eating lots of donuts? And, and if, even if it fits, so I found out that that's not how counting macros has to work. Um, but as a performance athlete, you know, you still need to eat to perform. Um, but what the macros did was gave you that consistency. Um, it was numbers based off of, you know, who you are as an individual, not, you know, a, uh, it's not a blanket, you know, number. It's not a broad stroke for everyone. It's, it's very individualized. Um, and what I found out right away was that I was drastically under eating carbs. And I just want to point out that just because Corey was drastically under eating carbs doesn't mean that everyone who does CrossFit needs to eat as many carbs as a competitor his level. The volume and intensity of competitive training necessitates the higher carb intake. You don't need to go to the extreme if you just do some group class or barbell work. After two, three weeks of, of me doing it the right way is my energy levels went through the roof. Um, I was a typically like a two maybe three cup of coffee per person a day. Um, I genetically, this, I know this because I got my DNA tested, don't respond well to caffeine. Um, and so I would drink a lot of coffee to try to like combat that. I love pre-workouts. Like I needed a lot of caffeine to try to feel the results of it. Um, and with my macro numbers on point and more consistent, me eating more carbs, I slowly realized that, hey, I don't need, I feel great in the afternoon. I'm not needing this coffee. I'm not crashing. I'm not, you know, craving caffeine. And for someone who's trying to get the most out of their workouts, you know, that was, that meant a lot. Like, oh, I can hit a second session without having to get dehydrated from drinking a coffee. Um, and I feel great going into the session, excited to train. And so not only was I, you know, feeling better, and I think energy levels is probably the most important thing for me as an athlete. I was feeling better. I wasn't, you know, gaining or losing like weight weirdly. It was staying, you know, very consistent. I'd wake up within you know, 0 0.1, 0 0.2 pounds of the day before. And because my goal was to maintain, I should yeah. say, I wasn't trying to cut or lose. Um, and 
and it just made things easier. I mean, I, I knew what I was having for breakfast. I knew what I was having for lunch. I'm a generally not a picky person, so I could eat the same things for dinner, but I had like two or three dinners that I would rotate through knowing what I would have. Um, and it made everything a lot simpler. I, I didn't have to lose time worrying about, you know, what to eat, when to eat, and it made, you know, me feel better. And so that change in nutrition, and that happened last year, which I'm still doing this year, that change in nutrition was so big for me because I also didn't have that what if feeling in my head, like what if I was tracking my nutrition? What if I was doing this better? Because I knew I was doing it, you know, to the best of my abilities. Corey went on to mention that he has a notoriously bad warmer upper and ignores stretching during the cool down. But this year he has started to get better about stretching after training and is already feeling the benefits. You can check out Beyond Macros episode six for some tips about how to be efficient with your stretching routine. Corey also is smart about sleep, and as you learned in episode 10 with Doc Parsley, this is probably one of the most important pillars of fitness to dial in. You can't be a high-level competitor on, on low-level sleep. In addition, I think a gratitude practice is massive as a competitive athlete because some days you just feel like nothing is going your way, and those little reminders about how great life is can really help you manage the stress. Although Corey doesn't have a structured gratitude practice, it's obvious he doesn't stress too much because he's a grateful human. You might say he knows that he is too blessed to be stressed. I'm very well aware of, you know, how gifted I am with the opportunities I've been giving to be a gym owner, to have the best job in the world, and also be able to train at that same gym. I'm very aware of, of how good I have it, and, and I think... For me to worry about other things and, and get stressed out really easily would almost be unfair. From here, we've pretty much only talked about what Corey does to support his training. But having fun and getting outside the gym is a huge part of it. So I asked Corey, what does he do? I've always loved playing sports. I was a college athlete, you know, growing up. Um, I love trying new sports. Lacrosse, unfortunately, is something that's not easy to get up and go play. I, I, a quote I use a lot to tell people is like, you either play good lacrosse or you don't at all you know, as a higher level lacrosse player, because it's not, it's not something you can go play, like pick up basketball or things like that. But I do love still being active. So um, we actually play in a co-ed soccer league. We have a bunch of the coaches at the gym that play in a co-ed soccer league. I really enjoy that. You know, it's, I never played soccer ever. Um, I have a newfound appreciation for the sport. It's, you know, extremely challenging. Um, it's fun. You know, I recently just got into golf. Uh, I love the attention it needs. Um, I love, you know, how challenging it is. It's probably one of the things that you can suck at the most, but still enjoy going back to. Um, and that's really fun. And, and that's actually a very, talking about stress reduction, like going out and I would play early, like 6am, you know, cause I knew nothing else was going on. And just to be out, you know, in the summer and nice weather, like that's just stress reduction in itself. And you're only worried about golf. That's a lot of fun. Um, but other than that, I just really like, I like relaxing. I, I enjoy, you know, just hanging out and, you know, not as being a competitor is very high strong and, you know, there's lots of time and effort that goes into it. So any time away from the gym, like I could just sit outside and sit down and really be enjoying my time. Um, but I do enjoy playing sports. I enjoy being active, you know, I like going for walks and, you know, hanging out with, you know, my dogs and doing all that stuff. So that stuff's really cool to me. I hope you've enjoyed this window into the life of a competitive CrossFit athlete and this first-person perspective on the infamous Event 2 of the 2017 Regionals. 
I also hope you walk away from this episode with an understanding about how you can frame your mindset next time things don't go as planned. Whether it's an injury at the gym, a disappointment at work, or when the work that you put into a relationship just doesn't pay off, there is always a constructive lens you can choose to view the situation through and come out the other side a better, stronger person. If you enjoyed hearing from Corey and you want to follow him, you can follow him on Instagram at clunny, that's at C-L-U-N-N-E-Y on Instagram, and he also owns CrossFit Shrewsbury in New Jersey, and you should 100% drop in next time you're in that beautiful state. It's an amazing environment with top-level coaches and equipment. Next week, I am back with a solo episode on nutrition. Specifically, we will be starting our series about what macros are, why they're important, and how to use those numbers to change your eating habits instead of living an obsessive existence where you might be carrying a food scale in your purse. To get those episodes, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to take a second to give thanks to another listener for their review and encourage all of you to leave one as well. This listener is actually a member of Corey's gym, CrossFit Shrewsbury. Chris said, I loved learning about nutrient timing in a digested format. Thanks for the review, Chris. I'm sure it only took you a minute to create, but we are grateful like it took you a full day. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.